Welcome to Lagrange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science, technology, and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia, who are a youth organisation with members aged 15 to 25, whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. On today's episode, we have Ricardo. Hey guys. Lauren. Hello. Ben. Hi. And Justin. In today's episode, we look at myth-busting for exams, and we're going to have a look at uh, what works and what doesn't work. So, does standing on your head improve your results? Does studying outside or in a bakery actually mean you can remember better? Is tea good for remembering? And video games, are they good for study? We're going to kick off with our Launchpad News section. So, Ricardo, Justin, you and I have both done our time at university and high school and been through the hard knocks of studying for exams, and we've got a bit of experience about those things that you do or have heard that are great to help you with your studying. What, what's one of your favourite things that you've like heard people say that you should do while studying? <clears throat> well, one particularly interesting one I've heard, Justin, is that um, if you actually do some reading uh, and you're learning upside down, it's actually better for you because you have more blood circulation uh, going through the brain and therefore your brain's uh, able to perform a lot better. One of the ones that I've heard, and you can see it on Facebook, is putting those gummy bears on the page so when you finish reading a paragraph you get a lolly and like and that encourages you to re- remember and read through them. Then of course there's the great ones about you know taking a million bits of a million cans of Red Bull before or after an exam to like, or while studying to help improve you. One of my favourite ones was walking around with like a dictionary or a te- or your textbook on your head and all the words would just soak into your brain. <laughs> like that, that like not through just, gravity. <laughs> gravity. Not just like sleeping on it, like... Sleeping on it and walking around with it on your head just to make sure because of the effects of gravity. Just to make sure. That's the part I like Look, about that. There's there's the immersion side of things when you can make that topic all about your life and talk to your friends non-stop about that particular mm-hmm. topic. So you're really immersed. But as Justin How on, do you have any friends after the end of that? <laughs> I have some interesting friends. Um, but the other side of things, as, you, as Justin subject. just said, was the incentives. I mean, I love exam time. And this might sound weird to everyone listening, but exam time to me is a wonderful time... Uh, especially swap vac week because I sit at home I lock myself in uh, lots of pots of tea and games as well I say to myself okay Rick if you can get through three or four hours of study you can take a break and take an hour to play a game unfortunately that only works if you've got like really good willpower willpower and self-discipline so what we're going to get into now guys is a whole bunch of study myths study ideas, some of the things that we've talked about here, and go, do they really work or not? Study myth-busting, guys. All right, so put on put on your berets and moustaches and walrus faces, and we'll get into the, the nitty-gritty of it. So when it's exam time, who are you going to call? Myth-busters! <laughs> Please don't sue. <laughs> no. <laughs> Copyright one of us. <laughs> So, one of the first ones I want to talk about is what Rick was kind of referencing by studying upside down. And I like this one, because this one is cool, uh, in not the way he's thinking. So, one of the myths about studying, and this is one that actually can help you improve it, and this is called associative learning. And there's a whole different variance of this. Doing X while studying, and then doing that same thing in the exam can help you. So, studying in a coffee shop or a restaurant or a specific place for a specific subject and then having a recall for that in the exam to help you remember those memories. I believe it's called the method of loci. Yeah, and this is actually a thing. Like, this works. That's why um, during year 12 and stuff, they get you to do your sacks in the classroom where you've learnt all your information. Effectively. Um, But one of the other ways you can think about this is if you are studying at a bakery... Yep. And you are studying about, let's say, 
uh, bee colonies at the bakery, right? What you'll remember, you'll associate the memories for learning this exam and the content you've learned there with that smell and that place. So now, and then if you studied when you're looking at the difference in ant colonies and you studied that, say, at, um, at uh, outdoors in a park, then you'll associate the visual and audio and the sensory cues from that with the ants, right? So in your exam, when you were trying to remember a subject of information from one section, not the other, you also have another cue for your brain to go access that memory. So if you smelt something, from, if you smelt some bread, or if you thought about grass, it would also bring back those associated memories. Well, that's right. Association is a really powerful tool with memory. I mean, um, the guy who could recite pi to thousands, ridiculous amounts of decimal places, actually envisaged pi as a landscape. And what he would do is walk through this landscape in his mind, and he'd see all of the digits all along his walk. So I think it's a fantastic way to do it. So that's a really good um, idea that you can, it actually can help you. So if you associate a certain type of thing with stimulus, and if, as long as you can replicate that stimulus in the exam venue, then that will help. And doing it with not just one, but multiple. I don't think you can stand on your head during exams, though. <laughs> well, you could. I just don't think you'd be able to write very well. So that's probably not the best idea, but there's a lot of variants about that, drinking something in particular, eating something in particular that you might be able to replicate in an exam that you could certainly try. And that's, that's, that is a myth that actually works. So that, that's, that's is a small grain of truth, very small in that one. One of the other ones that everyone talks about um, is the studying in long blocks. So Rick was saying, if I if I just get through, you know, my uh, four hours worth of study, then I'll actually be able to reward myself with some game time. So did you find that actually worked well for you, Rick? Oh, it works fantastic. And Lauren, does that work for you as well? Studying for a certain period of time and then having some break and then studying again? Or do you study in one massive block? I can't um, stay concentrated for one massive block, so I usually study for like an hour, take half an hour break, that type of stuff. Mm. And what, what people have found is that that's usually a very effective way of segmentizing study. So mass studying in a massive session doesn't necessarily help you, but for the same reasons we're talking about with association. If your brain's trying to recall what you learnt in that session effectively, it's got to trundle through four hours worth of memory to go, okay, I meant this thing. So breaking it up into small chunks with breaks also helps a lot with that. And and with, with what Justin was saying about segments is that you often remember the first thing you learn, you get to the middle and not so much, and you'll recall what happens at the end. So if, if you break it up into more segments, you'll have less to forget in the middle. And that's why our lessons and lectures and everything like that are structured in a similar way. It's not just because we like dividing the day into hour-long periods. It's because statistically and, 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 um, and scientifically, we can measure that's being the most effective time for learning. One of the other nice little myths is that if you just study all night before the exam, go in there, it'll be all fresh, and you, you'll ace the exam. So cramming we're talking about here. Not just cramming, I'm talking like all-nighters level of cramming. And this is where you don't have any sleep, basically. And Ben, you mentioned you had some experience with this. Yes. Um, terrible, terrible lack of sleeps. Uh, one of the things uh, particular is, do you if, if, it's get, if it's five in the morning and you have to get up and go at eight, at eight do you go to sleep for two hours or do you stay up and just keep going and have like a second wind um and and i often found that staying up the entire time and not going to sleep kept me alive the rest of the day whereas i would have been very very tired if i had gone to sleep however as i've done some reading my brain would be more awake if i had some sleep 
yeah, you feel you'd feel worse, but your brain would actually perform better. And this is one of the really scary things about sleep deprivation. Sleep deprivation can get you, and if you go for 24 hours without sleep, you're equivalent to 0.05 or 0. 0.5, 0. 0.05, sorry, blood alcohol content. So you're as drunk, like significant, like impaired levels, not able to drive a car of drunk, as if you have not had sleep for 24 hours. And that that's kind of scary when you think about it. Not sleeping deprives your brain of the rest and the recuperation recovery it needs to actually function adequately. The Does thing is, if you go with like total sleep deprivation, it can actually lead to death. I mean, we can't because we have things called microsleeps yep. in between that stop that from happening. That is actually um, one of the major things your body really needs, yep. as much as food and water. And one of the reasons, and, and in relation to study, actually getting some rest is really important because it means that you're not functioning. Uh, when your brain is in a basically a substantially impaired state. You wouldn't want to take an exam whilst under the influence of a mind-altering substance. For that same exact reason, you don't want to do take an exam under the influence of no sleep. So friends don't let friends pull all-nighters before exams and study. And no. And if, if you want to actually retain any of that information that you've spent cramming, you want to sleep because the process by which you fall asleep, your brain actually absorbs the things you've done that day. I mean, the, the ideas that you've learned, the concepts that you've gone over. You need time to process this. And if you're not getting that sleep, your brain is just not going to process. And you're going to wake up the next morning remembering very little of what you've done. It's much better to study, go to sleep early, have a good night's sleep, get up early, and then do some more study just before your exam because then you're using your short-term memory as well as your long-term memory rather than staying up until midnight and then going, oh no, I need to go to sleep now. Yeah, and that's one of the really interesting uh, parts about uh, exam exam studying. Whilst we're on the topic of, of short-term memory and long-term memory, looking at the value of cramming and not cramming. Should I? Should I? I've got like five hours or eight hours before my exam. Should I try and do as much as I can or should I just give up? Well, I, I would like to comment on this, and it really depends on what sort of student you would like to be. If, you would lo- if you're at university or at school to get the marks, then, guys, I'm sorry to say this, cramming works. <laughs> it works. Uh, I'm not, you know, saying it's a good thing, because usually after you walk out of that exam, you forget about 90 to 100% of that content, um, which puts you at a major disadvantage in your next uh, semester's work, because obviously you have to remember that. Unless there's something you had to take, and you're like, I'm never going to know this again. I'm just going to do lo- um, short-term cramming. And that's right. If, if you want all that uh, precious content to disappear in, in the short term, then, you know, that's fine. Go for it. If you're just, uh, you know, concerned with the marks that you're going to get in that exam, if you need it to pass your degree, then go nuts and cram. But if you want to remember something and if you want to use it later in life in your career, as, as you would uh, after you finish university, you probably don't want to do too much cramming. And that really gets to another interesting point about that is why and how are you actually trying to study for? What are your goals? Understanding your goals and your objectives. And this is probably more valuable, coming up with a detailed plan for how you're going to study and do the exam, as opposed to trying to treat every exam the same and every subject and student the same. So it's a really useful disclaimer to have here that realistically, everyone will give you their advice about how to study, but you need to actually identify what you are trying to achieve in your studying, what are the structure and the ways of the exam working? Is it a multiple choice exam or do you need to be able to write lots of sentences? Or will people expect you to solve problems using the content only as a starting point? There is no one-size-fits-all strategy for studying and there's no one-size-fits-all strategy for exams because each exam is different. 
So I think the takeaway message here, guys, is that, you know, take a disciplined approach to learning. Don't just brute force it. Um, Think about what you want to get out of it and, you know, structure your approach accordingly. And make sure you have rest and sleep because your brain and body needs that to function. Refuse. Refuse. (laughs) Your body and brain need to have its sleep and its rest and its break time, as piano productive as it might seem, to actually help it remember and learn and uh, be in a good state to actually function in that exam. So now I just want to briefly touch on some crazy things, that some like stories and myths that people have heard people doing while studying. And I think the best one I have heard so far has to do with like traditions people have for exams. Do you wear lucky socks for an exam? Do you always have take something in there with the exam food? I used to always take like a packet of uh, lolly bananas in with me. Not actual bananas, lolly bananas. Easier to eat. Um, other people I know take blankets and take other things to stay warm because that's useful for exams. Would you take tea into an exam, Ricardo? I'm pretty sure I have. I have done this once. Uh, I took a thermos into one of my uh, university exams. It was a good... Look, as we said before, incentives work. Um, if you're going to keep like high spirits throughout your exam because you brought some chips or if you brought something to snack on, then that's, that's obviously a benefit. And so plus it have, might have the benefit of associative learning. One of the, uh, one of the funniest things, though, I've heard from uh, exams is a tradition that they have in Russia. And this is, this is where, basically, they involves when, in exam time, and this, these people may have exam fever, so this could be potentially what's going on here. And that's when you've done so many exams that everything seems funny and plausible, and you've you, you gone nuts. But this is where you have a book, and you basically go out into the open air just before you go to sleep, and like the window, and you shake the book, and you, and you try and basically summon a freebie, summon a spirit of good luck to get into the book. And you basically like, I catch you, I catch freebie, come freebie, and basically like you're trying to summon this spirit of luck, and then you slam the book shut, <laughs> and then you take it with you to your exam, and then when you go to the exam, you open this book and unleash this spirit of luck that you've captured. So if you're in Russia, stu- so if, you, if 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 you're in Russia studying and you hear people yelling freebie, come and get a freebie or a quickie out of uh, <laughs> out of the windows, what they're talking about is exam luck. But the thing is, you'd think if they're, like, going around catching spirits, catching them in a book, the spirit isn't going to want to help you after you've done that to them. <laughs> well, that's very true. That is very true. So, uh, if we have any Russian listeners or anyone who's, who's heard of this tactic, we, I'd love to hear from you and we find out more. Or if you've got any exam ideas, tips and tricks and things you've used to stave off madness in exam season, let us know. Please, head on over to, to the YSA Facebook page and put it up there or something Yeah, like put that. it in the comments and we'll be happy to hear them. Um, uh, the best one I have ever heard is to do with trucks rule, which is an exam fever thing from Monash University's chemical engineering subjects. I strongly recommend you watch the video called Trucks Rule um, on YouTube by Dr. Karen Hapgood, who's a lecturer of one of the chemical process engineering subjects. It's a case where not only have the students got exam fever, the lecturers got exam marking fever, and it's turned it into a multi-year, multi-campus tradition of humorous exam responses, but only after certain conditions are met, such as finishing the exam. (laughs) So have a look at that one. That's pretty funny as well. So if you've got any cool ideas about exams and studying, come and let us know. We'll be happy to hear from them, and we wish you all the best. This has been the Young Scientists of Australia's podcast, The Grange Point. On today's exam special, we talked about hilarious ways to stave off exam fever, improve your results in your exams, and what strategies and techniques are work and which ones are pure fiction. 
our ending theme was composed by Audio Nanics. Head to ysa.org.au for more information on the Young Scientists of Australia.